Hello, welcome to the Get French Football News Show. Everything is suddenly clicking for Lyon. Memphis is brilliant again. Tokoy Kambi is flying high. And Ligon win 4-1 against Monaco in this week's big match. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about another team that scored four goals this week. Stade de Reims getting their first win of the season with their hat-trick striker Boulaïdia. And also we'll talk about Lille, who are the only team still undefeated in Ligue 1, thanks to Burak Yilmaz. He's not the only Turk confronting, confronting a French team this week. PSG have a hot trip to Istanbul, while Marseille host Man City and Rennes go to Sevilla in the Champions League. Uh, that's this week's DFFN show. I'm your host, Pierre-Paul Birmingham. Uh, on the panel today, Philippe Bargel. Hey, Philippe. Hey, how are you doing? Good. It was great to finally meet you on Saturday. Oh, yes. Great. <laughs> great game. Great game. <laughs> Division, Division well, 4 football at, at its best. That's right. Paris Atletico. I, you missed. The last 15 minutes were, were very exciting. Um, a lot more chances yeah. than the rest of the match. So it's a shame you, you missed that. Well, we should highlight, uh, it's pretty rare that two GFFN correspondents get to meet. We're so spread out across the world that, um, you know, it, 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 it was a nice moment. Um, and with us today as well is, is uh, Adam White. Hey, Adam. Hi, Pierre. How's it going? Good, yeah. Uh, so, Adam, uh, you are the editor of the football, the modern footballer, sorry, uh, issue three is just out now. Tell us what that is. Yeah, it's uh, it's Get Football's uh, magazine. Of course, you know you're listening to the GFFN podcast, but there's uh, the Get German Football outlet, Get Italian Football, and Get Spanish Football as well. And we all team up for a quarterly magazine, sort of reporting on the latest big issues and burgeoning talent and talking points across those four leagues, and and produce a sort of a quarterly uh, publication. Uh, which is uh, brilliantly complemented this time by some really nice illustrations uh, from our fantastic illustrator. Uh, and you can check it out on our um, on all our social media at the moment. Um, there's a video of me explaining exactly uh, what, what's what's going on and uh, on on the GFFN Twitter feed at the moment. Uh, and you can access it uh, via the uh, a PDF digital version on on the site and also a print copy, which I'm particularly proud of. Um, it's it, it's uh, definitely our biggest and best and, and brightest uh, sort of issue to date. Um, 130 pages of, of European football goodness. So so check it out on our on our Twitter uh, our Twitter um, accounts and uh, and yeah and thanks to everybody that supported us so far. It's been it's been really good fun producing this this third issue. So yeah, it's uh, it's been been a fun journey so far. The print version is certainly great. It's always you know a pleasure to be able to touch. Uh, work from Get Football as well. So much of our stuff is is online or on podcast. To have a material version is is really satisfying too. And uh, Eric Devin, you're with us here too. Uh, you contributed to uh, this issue. Yeah, that's right. I, I did a couple of pieces that are Leon centric, as befits my my fandom. Mm. I did a piece on Maxence Cacare, and uh, as well as the club in general. So definitely excited. Uh, thank you again to Adam for all his hard work and to the my fellow contributors as well. It's it's always a, a pleasure to see one's name in a, in a tangible thing. I mean, we, we, we do so much in the digital sphere that, uh, you know, something you can put on your shelf is a, is a nice touch. So I, I definitely encourage everybody out there to pick up a hard copy. Uh, it's, it's really nice uh, to have something tangible in this, in this day and age. Yeah, for sure. And like Adam said, you can, you know, get all the info on the Get Football social media or you can order it. I think it's on the Get Friends Football News website that um, that page is available. Um. Let's start then, guys, with the uh, Ligue 1 from, from this weekend. And, uh, well, Eric, let me turn back to you again. Uh, I started watching Lyon Monaco at the start of the second half um, because I was, <laughs> you know, 
busy with Arsenal, but the, the match was over by then, basically. Yeah. Um, oh, gosh. Okay, so Leon have scored seven goals in, in two matches. That, you know, if, if we look at the agate type, as it were, that would seem to say that, that they're back on track. I, I, I'm not going to go that far. I, I think that... It's, it's my, the pendulum swing. Yeah, I, I think that it's <laughs> nice to see... Uh, to see Toko Akambi, uh, you know, get his scoring boots on, I, I think he hadn't scored before the double he had against Strasbourg. I believe he hadn't scored in the league since February. Now, again, there weren't a lot of league matches since February, but um, you know, for someone, I think that the club are looking for a lot more from and, and in whom they placed a decent amount of faith. I mean, uh, being an older player, uh, being a player whom they spent, I think it was 12 million on uh, making his signing from Villarreal permanent. Um, that's not necessarily in keeping with Leon's project, as it were. So I think they really expected a lot out of him. And given his poor start to the season in terms of goals, I think it was a, a bit challenging. So to see him get off the mark and to, to finish so confidently, I mean, the little rainbow flick he had on, uh, I believe that was his second goal, uh, was was really impressive. Um, decent match from Tino Cattaweri as well. Um, it seems like those two are, are, start, are finally starting to come good after some iffy moments to start the season. Um Memphis looked decent enough as well, and uh, poor old Musa Dembele almost got on the score sheet twice, uh, but once denied by the flag and once by Benjamin Lecomte. But I would say, yeah, there were some good signs for, for Leon, but uh, I do think that I'm a little concerned about uh, the midfield. Um, I guess looking at that, um, Anthony Lopez was superb as well. Again, I made at least three fantastic saves. Um you know, once again, as, as he had last week against Strasbourg, was really uh, the difference between these two clubs. Really, some superb goalkeeping from him. But uh, to my point, um, this midfield three, a four-three-three, which I, I think we can agree uh, gets a, a, the best out of the front three, um, which is what we want um, or what what Leon wants. Um, you know. And you've got Musa Dembele as an option in there as well. Uh, maybe Maxence, or Maxence. Maxwell Cornet can be an option as well uh, once Melvin Barr is, is back to being fit and fighting. But I kind of wonder, that that midfield three with Tago Mendes sitting behind Aouar and Paqueta, um, I kind of question whether that has there's enough solidity there. Um, Mendes has been really hit or miss and mostly missed since joining Leon. I, I don't necessarily know that I particularly like him in that role. Uh, Bruno, Bruno Guimaraes would normally be the starter in that deep line role. He he certainly puts a lot of energy in verve, but sometimes makes some positionally questionable um, decisions. So my concern here is, if you're playing both of Alwar and Paqueta, there's really no happy medium to sort of support that that number six, whether it is Guimaraes or whether it is Mendes, um, with both Paqueta and Alwar in there. Um, so, you know, dovetailing into the the modern footballer again i kind of wonder <laughs> for me where does this leave maxence kakare's development that is the arrival of paqueta now uh, paqueta's cl- clearly a gifted player has a lot to offer you know may take some time to settle in new culture new language new league um it's only getting... his, his second game to paqueta exactly exactly um but i think the expectation has to be that a player brought in for 18 million or, or, or thereabouts is going to be starting week in and week out so you know, maybe the issue is he was brought in as a, as a theoretical replacement for Alwar, but Alwar didn't leave. And now the club are sort of forced to shoehorn all these players into midfield. But I think for me, I would much rather see, uh, I would much rather see 
Kakare be in be in, in the midfield along with Awar, and maybe Paqueta can play a wide role or Awar can play a wide role. I don't know that that midfield three um, that was played last night is going to be solid enough to protect that defense week in and week out. Now, I know Jason Denier, who's probably Leon's best defender, was also out with, through injury last night. So that is a mitigating circumstances as well. But it's starting to look as if Leon have the attacking gifts to challenge for the top three, as the club's stated aim has been. Um, so now the question is, can they get that balance right in midfield to a sufficient degree to protect the defense? And if they can, things look good. But on the evidence mm. of last night and last week, um, I still have some doubts. I mean, again, Anthony Lopez is a tremendous keeper. And sorry, Adam, I'm referring to your guardian column today. I think he's the best keeper in the league, not Mike Pignon. Oh, controversial. We, 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 we can debate. Um, but If Mo um, were here, we'd be talking about Mondanda. <laughs> I, I know, I know, I know. There's, there's, there's so many fine options. Um, you know, in all seriousness, um, it is something that I think is still going to take some working out. Um, I think, you know, a good result this weekend against Lille is, is going to be a I think a real test. I think that Strasbourg and Monaco are still sort of finding their feet tactically and personnel wise. Um, and I think that, but I think that a Lille side that clearly know what they're doing, that have a plan are going to present a much bigger challenge to, to Leon. So l- let's reserve judgment until next, the next episode, as it were um, encouraging signs, <laughs> but I'm not ready to say that they're necessarily on the up quite yet. Wow, you're, I would you're... actually, I would actually uh, agree with you in uh... Uh, starting Kekhe, but who would you drop? Would you drop Tukwe Kambi or would you drop uh, Kediwere? I would that, drop Kekhe. Formation. Oh, you would drop, drop Oh, right. Oh, right. Mm, okay. I mean, See, yeah, that's what you were saying. I mean, he, he basically has to start given how much he cost or something like that. I mean, I, I think that that seems to be. Uh, Rudy Garcia, vis-a-vis Juninho's rationale to date. Um, yeah. You know, I know Pacare was dealing with um, a case but, of But COVID. that's not, I mean, that's not a, an imperative. I mean, we, we saw that last season, right, with Jeff, who also had an expensive uh, price tag, but wasn't starting that much. Right. Yeah. I, it's, I don't know. I, I think that it, it kind of remains to be seen how, how long of a, how long or short of a leash that Rudy Garcia has under Juninho in terms of what players he's playing. But, I think that Paqueta comes again from this, you know, Brazilian cadre that continues to grow at Leon, and I think perhaps with him there is going to be more pressure to see him played. Whereas Ren Adelaide is certainly a talent, but I, I don't necessarily know that he, he his assets will necessarily be prized as highly at, by uh, Juninho mm-hmm. as 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 otherwise. I don't know. Yeah, maybe. Um, it, it's definitely good news, though, for Lyon that Awar is still around. Um, he scored the penalty. I think that's his second of the season. Also um, assisted Depay's first goal. And Adam, uh, Depay, ever since his failed transfer to uh, to Barcelona, which is, still sounds a little bit funny to say that, but um, uh, he, he's back in form and, and getting more and more invested into this team. And he, he was quite good last night. Yeah, he really was good. <clears throat> and, um, you know, he's been good in those last two games. I think it's a mentality shift with him mm-hmm. because obviously you mentioned the failed transfer to Barcelona. And I think from his point of view, that's what he's playing for. He's un- unusually for Dubai. He sort of managed to reset his his sort of his sort of attitude in terms of his performances in relation to his goals in his career. And he's sort of thinking that this Barcelona thing is going to happen, I think. 
uh, at, at some point. And that's his his point of view. You know, Dutch coach. Excuse me. Um, and okay, the 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 financial situation there is is appalling. And, and if it, if it was even half decent, they would have signed him probably in the in the window but he's thinking when january comes around you know maybe they barcelona are able to sell one of their players and they use that money to buy me and if i'm still playing well for leon um and i'm still playing you know the type of football that they that they want and that that is expected of me when i'm there then they'll sign me and and i think there's a there's a big element of 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 sort of future proofing himself a little bit there um by by continuing to 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 perform as as as, as a level that he knows he is capable and that it gave a lot of, and, and that you know that keeps him in in Ronald Koeman and the Barcelona you know backroom staff's mind. So mm. I think there's an element of that, but he has been brilliant and and at his best, Depay. You know there aren't many better players in in Ligue 1 and and it's been it's been really exciting to watch him play. And and I think that he's he's you know it, that, I think that shift is is it's going back a little bit now, but that shift to the centre of the pitch that that sort of came about via that sort of spell with Holland and. And eventually moving there for Leon has has completely re- sort of revolutionised his career, and and it's it's almost a shame that that wasn't discovered earlier because maybe at Manchester United he would have been under the right tutelage, of course. Obviously, a little bit questionable given the managers that were that he that were there and the way he was used at the time. But maybe that would have seen him sort of reach this, this higher level in, in in my opinion, anyway. Um, now earlier in his career, so yeah, he's been he's been brilliant in the last couple of games, and I honestly think it's a little bit like Dimitri Payet, Jeremy Smith, who's obviously a friend of the pod and and, and works for GFN too, likes to say that Dimitri Payet plays well when there's a you know the year ends in an even number because he smells a France opportunity yeah. in the, in a tournament. It's a very similar thing here, I think, with Depay, but. It's great to watch, and and you know if he goes in January, if he goes at the end of the season, you know Leon are going to get some good performances from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's to a here's to a Depay Griezmann swap in in January. <laughs> Absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we we would love that, but obviously uh, seems a little bit far fetched. Um, uh, some other events from the match: um, Ben Yedder scored a penalty for Monaco. Melvin Bard got a red card right at the end. Uh, there was a bit of a spat just before the end of the match and kind of at the end too between Ben Yedder and Marcelo obviously we're uh, we're getting used to that from from Marcelo um but guys what did you think of of Ben Yedder who uh I mean I thought in a Monaco team that obviously quickly had no hope of winning he was quite the fighter still poor guy he's uh, he's so lonely um yeah. there was a there was a, a tweet from GFFN maybe you wrote it Adam um, it was. Uh, it started uh, along the lines of uh, "Don't be fooled by Lyon's uh, emphatic, emphatic victory." It's uh, it's, ba- it's basically um, uh, very good at uh, reacting, uh, so playing counter-attacking football instead of instead of playing in active fashion. I, I quite. I mean, I know Eric's going to kill me for this, but I quite agree uh, on the uh, you know on on the whole in, in that uh, when you need to uh, need to play it's a struggle against uh, resolute defense just like a lot of sides would um just like PSG would do just like Marseille would do uh, for Monaco uh, some i mean uh, some, a lot of people said that uh, the score was harsh uh, on them at half time Sorry, I just uh, I just uh, can't can't see any any decent excuse for them because the chances they had, yes, Lopez, it was uh, it was good goalkeeping, but to me, to the, the defence, as Eric pointed out, was um, uh, mm. not well protected by Paqueta and um, uh, sorry, I'm, I'm Mendes. Missing. Sorry, Diego Mendes. Yeah. And uh, and so it mostly came from crosses from CDB, and the defending was not uh, was not very good. They 
seems to be uh, not not yet um, a relationship between uh, Giumondi and Marcelo, who wasn't that sort. Uh, uh, they had pretty, um, I thought he had a pretty good game, but uh, then you know, yes, Benyede fought fought well, uh, but there, there didn't seem to be uh, mm. basically anyone on the right hand side marking Connie when he was going up. They just didn't seem to have any any cohesion, and so it was. I, di I didn't even think they deserved, maybe not to to be uh, on the receiving end of a four nil, uh, of four nil halftime. But it it certainly looked like um, an extremely naive tactical uh, plan by Kovac, uh, especially in in such a defensive league, and especially against against such quick players. I mean, you play you you play not so much of a high line. Then you know you would would have struggled much more. I mean, give give the pie with his acres of space. It just it's just yeah. asking for trouble. Well, I would say, in Monaco's defense, I I've seen all their matches this season. Um, yeah. I I feel like I like what Kovac is trying to do, but the the issue from for me is that he has a group of relatively inexperienced players who he's trying to ask to play in a, in a style that's new to them, right? As Philip, mm. Philip, you rightly say, this is a style that's not commonly seen in France, this high, aggressive press combined with possession. And you've got a very young team. I mean, aside from, aside from um, well, you've got, you've got Sidibe, Javitic, and, and Ben Yedder, but, you know, the midfield three, uh, Florentine Luis is starting, I believe, his second match after coming over from Benfica on loan. Uh, Chuameni and Fofana, also young players. The center-back partnership, Jassasi and Mukinai. Um, but, sorry. Badiashile. Badiashile. Um, sorry. I, mm. Sorry, I'm looking at something that says Mukinaki. That's his <laughs> middle name. Um, you can edit that out if you want. Um, but, yeah, I think that there are a lot of good Good. There's a lot of good potential on this Monaco team. Um, I'd add, I'd add Sofian Jop to that as well. He's had a, a fairly decent start to the season, but I think really what it boils down to is these players are these players are still searching for their own identity on the pitch vis-a-vis -vis what their best position is, what their and how to operate within that position. But they're they're learning. They're going to make a lot of mistakes, and I I I'm not ready to castigate <clears throat> Kovac quite yet. I, I think what he's trying to do makes sense, but I think that there's still some questions over 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 execution. It's it's going to take mm. a lot more maybe not a lot more. It's going to take quite a bit more time before Monaco are really clicking on all cylinders. We've seen them play really excellent spells of football that their loss at Ren you know, I mean, Ren stormed back into that match and, and were able to, to get the win at the end. But I think for the first three quarters of that match, in particular against a team I think we can all agree is one of the best in the league, Monaco were excellent. Um, and we, we it's, it's, so it's a matter of consistency and it's a matter of, of getting the balance right in terms of um, letting these young players foster these relationships with each other. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, it, it's, they were, it was a lot of individual errors in the night, um, and I think that that's frustrating to see from mm. Kobach's perspective, but I think that there is merit to what he's trying to do. And if this team plays well, um, you know, they too have a, have a chance to be in those, in those European places. Yeah. 
So uh, Monaco sit in 12th with 11 points from eight matches. That's just two less than than Lyon, who are sixth. I mean, it's still early days, so that's what that shows, I guess. Um, uh, let's move on, guys, to our next match of the weekend. Uh, Phil, when when we met on Saturday, you were telling me uh, Montpellier-Reims is, is the match to look out for uh, this weekend. Mm. I didn't take much convincing. Those are two teams that I that I certainly like, so I was looking forward to to it as well. And but. Uh, Something which was uh, unexpected was a four-nil win from Reims. Even in the in even in the best of days, Reims winning four-nil is uh, unusual. Even even them not conceding goals, uh, them scoring four <laughs> goals. I haven't got the stats in front of me, but when the last time they, I mean, they must have kept a clean sheet not that long ago because uh, they were quite defensive. And well, actually, they probably kept a clean sheet in the Europa League. I don't, again, I don't have the stats in front of me. And when's the last time Reims scored? Scored four goals. So yes, there was the uh, early sending off. I, I only saw the goal. I didn't see, I didn't see the uh, the whole game. I saw a long spells of, of it, but uh, not uh, mm-hmm. not a lot of it. Um, the, the first um, the first red card does help when you're one nil up uh, away from home uh, with uh, with a defender. The defender uh, sent off. Yeah, after only yeah. four minutes, Hilton getting sent off. Yeah, and it's Hilton. You know, it's he, he's supposed to be the stalwart of the of the whole or of the whole mm. defense. I mean, without without him, more pretty, uh, facing more pretty is almost a, a different game because it's uh, yes, he may be old, but he knows he knows his stuff and he knows how to organize them, and so it changes everything. It changes the whole game, and then I, I can see I can see Ras saying, "Okay, well, this is a great break for us. So let's try and defend and." And stay stay deep and try not to concede goals. And they, then they go on and score and score another two. There's a second penalty in the first half, I think. Is that right? Uh, yeah, two yeah. penalties. Yeah. And then and two sendings off at halftime. I think that's also unprecedented. And uh, well, they take that. They'll take that. Um, it was. I mean, <laughs> it was. It was quite quite ironic. You also have Strasbourg winning at Brest three 0 it was the sides that were really down down in the dumps, along with Dijon, mm. of course. But uh, Dijon were playing at PSG, and uh, you could you could expect miracles from this weekend. But that was uh, that was pushing it uh, pushing it a bit. <laughs> Although you know that was that was on a Saturday, and the other two games were on a Sunday. So maybe you know the goals wasn't wasn't with uh, with Dijon. But yeah, those those two results basically are telling the rest of the league that uh, those two are maybe not uh, dead and buried. And I'm I'm quite happy actually for for Guillaume because mm. a lot of criticism, a lot of uh, Reims fans wanted him out. I mean, well, well, I mean a lot. It's more than half. I mean, lots and lots of critics, and uh, and then you had a few who were saying, I think he's still the he's still best equipped to uh, to steer the club into. Uh, some sort of 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 survival, uh, and then then you've got a four 0 away win. So I think he'll stay for now, for sure. And Adam uh, Boulay Diaz scored a hat trick for Hans, which uh, brings his total for to six this season, which is quite a lot considering they're nineteenth still. Uh, for a player to have scored six goals is impressive. Uh, what do you think of his progression? Um, I think it's an interesting one because. I he sort of when he when he sort of broke into the to the Reims team he um he perhaps wasn't the most prolific he was sort of getting a lot of attention and um was it Brighton where was sort of quite interested supposedly at one point this summer yeah yeah and 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 perhaps other Premier League clubs before that um and I felt it was a little bit 
soon, um, despite his, his 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 talent. He's obviously a very talented footballer. But you mentioned his goal record there, and that's something that's really sort of accelerated this season. I still think that um, if he's going to progress in his career, you, you would imagine as a, as a 23-year-old scoring starting score goals in Liga and he sees himself at a bigger club, either in France or abroad, I still kind of feel that there's there's you know there's, there needs to be another gear in there somewhere in terms of his mm. uh, effect on a game and a consistency of goal scoring, which I think is really important um, before he sort of makes that move. So I, I I like him. I think he's a I think he's a really interesting player, and I like him as a focal point to that attack, and he can be used wide as well. But um, yeah, I think there needs to be a little bit more progression, a further progression in there over the next season, maybe maybe two seasons before he thinks about moving anywhere else. Mm. It may be that he's a bit of a late bloomer, right? Because when Hans picked him up uh, two years ago and he was 21, he was playing in fourth division. Um, so, you know, it, it, it was still quite low. And But he's definitely proved in the last few years. I think the first season, what seemed to stick out was that he was scoring against big teams. As you say, he, maybe there weren't that many goals in total. But, you know, he scored a winner in Marseille. He scored a a, a bicycle kick against PSG as well. Um, but but this year, yeah, the numbers are, are looking good so far. And uh, speaking of, of bicycle kicks, the fourth Reims goal, well, the third goal, but the other goal scorer was Nathanael Mbuku, who's only, uh, I think he's 17 or 18, and he scored his first Ligue 1 goal ever with a bicycle kick, uh, which was a, a su- very impressive hit where uh, the ball is, is, he tries to control it first, but uh, there's a defender in front of him who kind of kicks the ball up and he instantly just turns and and swings his, his 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 bicycle kick, his overhead kick. Um, it's it's a very fast reaction to to make that decision and and, and try that move and uh, goes past the Montpellier goalkeeper. Wonderful goal. And I mean, when when you score that as your first goal, it kind of feels like you've peaked already. I think <laughs> it's it's hard to match that one day, but uh, good for him. And he'll be around for a while, for sure. Um, from a from a Montpellier point of view, obviously they were missing Teji Savanier. I think as well something we can mention about Montpellier is that um, in the past few months, in the past season, year or so maybe, uh, they've been stronger at home than they have been away. We've noticed that, and their last two home matches have actually been played with no crowd for uh, local COVID reasons or something, uh, and those two matches they've lost. Uh, against Nîmes, the derby, and this week against against Reims. So uh, the red card was unfortunate after four minutes, the first one, of course. Um, but also, they seem to be struggling with with you know playing home matches as if they were away. Kind of, I, I don't know if that's how how much influence that has for them. But it's a um, yeah, slightly concerning uh, to see that result against them. Uh, but moving on, Nice won Lille won, uh, and uh, Eric, we've we've talked a lot about how good Lille are this season, and they're still undefeated. Yeah, I you know I think that they maybe found themselves a little bit uh, dulled in this mm. in this situation again. You know, I was surprised at how little Christophe Galtier did rotate. Uh, his attack uh, in among the last three matches, that being uh, their match last weekend, the match in the Europa League, and this one, um, it does seem to be saying uh, that he's taking that competition seriously, which is good, of course. But I kind of wonder whether he's not sacrificing too much 
to do is to do that. Um, again, I, you know, I, I think that the the proof will be in the pudding, but I think that it's it's an interesting question, especially as we have. I don't, I don't know if any anybody who caught this that uh, Timothy Weah appears to be uh, on his way out. He was uh, excluded from the squad yesterday. This is from the eighteen. Oh. Um, uh, and uh, there's there's a, a trending hashtag free Weah. Um, <laughs> because he's he's still not getting opportunities now. Again, uh, the good form of Luis Araujo and Jonathan Akone it means that he is uh, rightly being left on the bench or not in the squad. But um, I think for a player who has had bad luck with injury, I c- we can certainly understand some of the frustration that might be brewing there. Hopefully, things work out. Hopefully, he can perhaps get a loan come the, come January uh, and and prove himself in French football. We do know that he's a talented player, but certainly a bit of frustration brewing there. Um, but yeah, I, I think that um, you know, Nice are I think are starting to get things right. I, I as I mentioned, uh, uh, I think speaking with Lewis on the previous show the other day that I like this this three well whatever you want to call the system. I like Nice playing with three at the back. I think that the wit that gives um, with Kamara and well it was Atomba uh, yesterday, but it'd be I think a tall you know if a tall is fully fit. Um, on the wings, really gets the best out of two fantastic attacking players. If you have Bamboo and Nsoki uh, to sort of protect Donch, who's obviously at 36 or 37, however old he is at this point, a little bit slower. Um, and then you, you could have, uh, you know, more from the more from more in attack as well, because um, you've got a range of options there. Um, you know, Renan Lai came off the bench to make his debut. You've got Lopsch, you've got Dolberg, you've got uh, Lise Malou, you've got Claude Maurice. Uh, you've got Guiri. Um, so there's a lot of options there in attack uh, for Vera if he needs to change a match. And it also will allow him to continue to rotate as as Nice hope to negotiate their Europa League group stage. I know they did lose on Thursday, but I think they've got every chance of going through, given the other members in that group. I think that Leverkusen, in a way, was always a match they're going to lose, perhaps not be hammered in. Um, so, yeah, I think that um, this was a, a decent match. Uh, um, and I think that what we got were advertisements for sort of both of these teams sort of settling into this season. And, and, and perhaps, you know, again, I think both of them would have wanted to yeah. win given, given the fact that Ren had dropped points. Um, but um, I think all things considered, you know, I think we're looking at these teams as perhaps beginning to hit their stride, both tactically uh, and personnel wise. Again, you know, Nice had, Nice have had a, their ins and outs come a little bit later in the window. And, you know, the absences of, of Atal in particular and Dolberg uh, have been a little bit harder to negotiate. Uh, they had Robson Bambu out for the better part of a month mm-hmm. as well. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, I, some of us were none too happy about the way Nice had started the season, but I think this this result perhaps can mark a turning point um, because, again, Lille are still undefeated. This is this is a quality result, and it was it was one that Lille had to battle back to get. Yeah. Um one change that Lille did make from from their four one win against uh, against Prague on in in the Europa League was uh, taking off Jonathan David, who again didn't have a great match, and and bringing back Burak Yilmaz into the starting eleven. And Adam Yilmaz is a player who, you know, football followers have always kind of heard that name, but unless you were a fan of the Turkish league, there weren't that many chances to see him play, and there were a lot of questions about him coming into the season, being thirty five and so on. Um, it looked like he had a really good game, had some nice chances and so on. He he seems to be fitting in surprisingly well, don't you think? Yeah, I think he, I thought he was really good yesterday. Um, rested for the Europa League in the week, of course. Um, and I think 
I think what you built uh, Euraz's uh, arrival says about Leo is is perhaps the most interesting because one, this is Luis Campos's most recent fashionable market, right? It's the, the Turkish mm. league um, when he's uh, sort of picking up players like Celik and 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 Yaziki and and who've obviously been pressed. Um, so I think it's 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 a sign of the times to some extent, and also it's it shows some sort of joined up thinking that was that was seen at Monaco as well in that. You, Leo obviously wants to develop young players, progress young players, and sell sell them on. But the you, to build a team under, under those sort of rules is is very is quite difficult to have just a young, a strictly young team. Everyone's under twenty eight, everyone's under twenty five. That sort of that sort of age group is, is very difficult. You need that that sort of experience to to, to to sort of control players through games. And Mon- the Monaco team that was so brilliant in, in winning the title had players like Radamel Falcao and and and, ja- and Camel Glick and and Jamutinho, who were the sort of experienced heads. And you know, Yilmaz is effectively filling the Radamel Falcao role here as, as the experienced forward uh, who, who can be relied upon to, to chip in with goals and 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 provide a focal point and to to play off his his sort of his younger sort of counterparts like like David. Hopefully, if if he, if he can pick up his former and Bamber and, and Araujo and Akone. So yeah, I think he's a really intelligent signing, and and he seems to fit it off with Gautier as well, which is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think. Things like that are often overlooked in a, in a good transfer and in a good sort of settling in of a, of a new player. That the relationships that they have and, and the the way in which they adapt to their, not just their team and their and their their position in, in that squad is their surroundings and and the relationships with people beyond the squad as well. So I think it's really positive. I like him. He's a, he's a he's a he's a fighter and he's he's a good finisher on his day. So a good addition to the league. His first time he's played in the big five leagues, um, having played for all the big three in Turkey. So yeah, an interesting player and a good signing. Yeah, it's an interesting comparison. Have you with, seen with his Falcao. goal? The goal? Have you seen his goal? I mean, it's amazing. It's yeah, a it's very a good goal. goal. Yeah. yeah, fantastic. It's, it's actually it's actually quite uncommon to these days to find uh, to to find uh, any player not not in space not uh, necessarily a striker. He controls the balls with his chest, no rebound, just a volley. The volley is absolutely perfect. I mean. And it's against. Um, and it's a very nice pass from from I think it was Araujo yeah. as well. Yeah. I mean, and plus Lille were, were not uh, were not having a great time because I thought I actually thought that Lille uh, uh, played played it cool in the first half, like uh, they were they they played the game on Thursday and they were just uh, basically saying, okay, Nisa, show show us what you got. We're going to play it cool in the first half, and then second Let half Nisa we got pass around cool. at the back. <laughs> well, that's basically what they did because yeah. the first half wasn't wasn't a great watch. I thought, yeah, it wasn't. It, it wasn't great. And then second half um, against, I mean, to, to, to me, it was against the winner play. Uh, nice opened the scoring. And then you have uh, Lille who are 1-0 down. And you think, well, hold on, they might lose this. So they came from a position where they were quite in control. I mean, uh, you didn't see Dolberg in the first half. So almost, you almost didn't see him. It, it was like Botman, who again is a, is a great, uh, great buy next to Jose Font. I mean, uh, he 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 didn't really he didn't really fit. I mean, he didn't uh, he didn't seize the ball like at all. And then then second half you got uh, Nice opening the score uh, the scoreline through Dolberg, and and then suddenly Lila, Lila are very close to, to losing that game. Even even when you thought that they were quite in control uh, up until up until half time. So yeah, I know that. You know that's where we see the use of of Yilmaz and and being able to do that and you know sparing Lille their first loss of the season. Um, 
in the Europa League, we mentioned they're both in in that in that competition. Lille this week are at home to Glasgow Celtic. That's that's a fun one for sure. And uh, Nice will be hosting uh, Habwell Beersheba from Israel. Uh, moving on to our Champions League teams, uh, let's talk a little bit about how uh, they might do this week. Um, let's start with PSG, who beat Dijon Fournier over the weekend. Two goals from Moise Keane. I don't. Is it Keane or Kean? I never know. Um, I say Keane. Keane. Okay. Yeah, I'm on board with Keane for sure. All right. Two goals yeah. from Moise Keane. I know. I know the pundit Philippe uh, Jonah from. Uh, he's an expert on everything Italian uh, <laughs> in, in French football. He says Keane, so I'm going. I'm taking his word for it. All right. And, and two goals from Mbappe as well. Uh, the one thing we might mention from this match, Phil, was. Uh, Tuchel's decision to play Marquinhos in midfield and play midfielder Danilo Pereira in defence. Um, yeah. Thoughts on it's that? It's basically the only thing the media talked about uh, all Saturday, really, because before the game, everybody was expecting PSG to win. Yeah, PSG won the game. And, uh, I mean, no, no surprises, really. Um, and... Um, and it was basically all about uh, the uh, the little war they have between uh, Leonardo and Tuchel. <laughs> uh, with Tuchel saying, "Okay, uh, we we brought Danilo Pereira to play as uh, as a number six, so as a defensive midfielder, defense shielder, uh, in order for Marquinhos to play in central defense." And what he does is. Once the uh, first league game where both are available, we place Marquinhos uh, not in central defence, but in midfield, and Danilo in central defence. I, I don't even know if he's trying to if he's trying to rile up Leonardo, but I do I, I I do think that he doesn't give a shit anymore. I, I my honest opinion <laughs> honest opinion. I think he wants to get sacked. He wants the money to get sacked. He's got a little deal on the side with Dortmund or with someone. And uh, that he says, okay, I've done, I've done my job. I, I've won basically everything there is to one, except against Rennes, uh, the Coupe de France. And, uh, and, fine, and, and I, I took I took the club to the Champions League final, like ninety minutes from uh, from making history. So you know, you can sack me. I don't I don't really care. Mm. Uh, and so I, don't, uh, I don't know your opinion about that. I know uh, you know sometimes I can be very controversial, but that, I mean I, I I don't really understand if we're going to talk a bit about Manchester United I don't really understand how you can uh, you can have such a such a turgid uh, first half performance <laughs> with such a flat midfield three up, offering absolutely zero threat up front when you have uh, when you have Neymar Mbappe and Moise Keane uh, who did not score uh, and and then well he, he did change the stuff but it, I mean the, the performance was like the, the press conference afterwards was was like like you could ask him many questions he would just wouldn't, wouldn't give a damn so so yeah all right well let's uh, let's wait wait this I out I think Tuchel uh, is often quite rude in press conferences I think he kind of shoots down questions in a very impatient yeah, but, way I don't <laughs> yeah but he didn't he didn't though after oh, he the did, uh, he didn't that time no. That's, oh, okay. that's the thing. That's why that's why I think he doesn't give a shit anymore. Okay. Because, because he, he's usually very uh, yeah very rude to uh, a lot of the French media. Yeah. Uh, maybe not the you know, so media from other countries, you know. But um, this time it was it was like uh, yeah well, that's uh, that's the way we played and that's uh, that's the way it is. Mm-hmm. It's like uh, it's, it's like 
yeah, the, the German saying "c'est la vie" and and basically basically saying, okay, you just deal with it. Yeah. Um, so uh, PSG play in Istanbul this week against Besiktas here. Uh, I think Paredes is missing, Draxler, Verratti too. So uh, it's quite possible that Marquinhos stays in, in that midfield. Um, and the uh, interesting story this week. Uh, if if you are one of those people who believes uh, there's no room for politics in football, you might want to uh, stop listening for a couple of minutes right about now. Uh, but Basaksha here is actually uh, a, a club from Istanbul, which is very closely tied to the Turkish president Recep Tayyip Erdogan. He is the honorary president of the club. Uh, his party is in the process, I believe, of becoming the owner of that club. And uh, there's, you know, long-standing ties between the two. When he was mayor of Istanbul, uh, Erdogan decided to invest a lot into the neighborhood of Besaksha here um, and, and refused close ties with some of the other famous Istanbul football clubs who who probably had a, a more liberal uh, political association, uh, not fit for a conservative like him. And if you've been reading the news in the past couple of days, you may have noticed that things are quite tense between France and Turkey once again. President Macron and Erdogan have never had a good relationship, and, and there's been some name-calling in the last couple of days. Um, and it, this is not the first time that this has spilled over into football. You may remember last year there were some incidents. Uh, the French were unhappy with uh, the national anthem being booed in Turkey, and some Turkish players also celebrated scoring against France by doing a military salute, which I believe that was at the time when there was a kind of uh, a naval uh, incident between France and Turkey and the Mediterranean. Um, and so, you know, getting the club from the capital, even though, even though there's no direct association with Macron to play against uh, President Erdogan's club, uh, that's going to be, uh, that might be a, a bit of a tense situation uh, once again. Over in Istanbul. Let's turn this into division. I mean, Erdogan would be, uh, you know, uh, ill-advised to to gloat over a win against us because Macron is a OM fan. So you know, jokes would be on him. Well, you know, I, I don't know how much rationality plays into <laughs> into their yeah, minds. I don't, um, <laughs> no, I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it goes that far. No. <laughs> Um, I think I think Macron, even as an OM fan, would be happy to see PSG beat Erdogan's club, though. So, well, we'll have to ask him. I don't know. <laughs> All right, I'll let you take care of that. <laughs> All right. Um, okay, moving on to the next Champions League team, uh, Marseille. Mo's not here to talk about them, uh, but they beat uh, Lorient one 0 over the weekend, and uh, they're playing Manchester City at home uh, this week. Mo was telling us, you know, this could be stars aligning if 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 they beat Olympiacos in the first match, which you know Olympiacos being the weaker team in that group, and then at home to City get a result, uh, things would be looking good. But uh, Adam Marseille did not win that first match against Olympiacos, and uh, and uh, City may not be, you know, at their best level at the moment. But this is a a somewhat frightening fixture, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think they were unfortunate in in Greece in Piraeus against Olympiakos. It was it was, a, it was an okay game, but it was pretty. I thought it, I felt it was pretty even. Um, and and they were perhaps unlucky to, to. I don't know if they didn't do enough to win it, but they they perhaps deserved a point from that game. So unfortunate there. Um, 
it's, it was always going to be an uphill battle for Marseille getting back to the Champions League. They're fortunate with the draw to some extent in that it's it's there is a path for them out of this group, at least there was at the beginning. That path is narrowing substantially now that they lost that game in, in Olympiacos, mm-hmm. which is really you know a must a must win fixture for them to some extent because if you're going to it's Porto, isn't it? The, the final team. If you're going to get past past them, you're going to need. To, to win against the other weaker team in the group, possibly home and away, which is Olympiacos. So they're, they're going to be struggling from here. But yes, you're absolutely right. This is a really, this is a really difficult game for for, for Marseille, especially at home without without you know the the usual support. Which which in this you know I, I you know I, I'm personally thinking that we we should be pretty grateful that there's football on at all and and not sort of bemoan the lack of fans too much in general, but. This is this is one occasion where, as you mentioned with Montpellier earlier, where the the support would would make a massive difference to Marseille, I think, um, and and that would be a huge shame not to see that spectacle. Um, so yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be really tough for them. But Manchester City have, have aren't exactly the impenetrable force they they once were, and um, they they lost what nine games in the Premier League last season. I, I know that there's a, there's, a, there's a gap in quality, but they are beatable. So mm. you know, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be too you know, too down on, on Marseille's chances. Obviously, it's it's unlikely that they get they get a they look, get a win. But you know, there there could be there could be, if if they get performances out of their best players, if they play to their potential, Marseille and City perhaps are a little bit leaky, like they are. They can be. There's there's a possible result here for Marseille. But yes, it's a it's a very difficult one. And once you once you you if they do lose, which you know you're expecting them to, two two defeats from two already looks extremely difficult for for their prospects in this group in even getting into the Europa League. So yeah, mm-hmm. it's a, it's a it's a tricky one. Yep, tough one. Uh, we're not writing them off completely, but uh, uh, boy, that's uh, on Tuesday evening. And uh, uh, well, well, let's wish them the best. Uh, PSG, I forgot to mention, uh, is on Wednesday evening. Also on Wednesday is uh, Rennes playing away to Sevilla. And uh, Phil, they, Rennes are coming into this one off the back of a loss in Ligue 1. Um, although... Yeah. That I felt like the story, but from that match was more about Angers, right, and the return of Sofiane Bouffal and and so on. Well, it wasn't. I mean, exactly the uh, if you mean return uh, by return to form or just return from to French football. Well, re- return to Angers, where he was, you know, where he started out too. But wasn't that wasn't Friday his second game or something? Yeah, but he scored oh, this time, something. so you know. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that would. Yeah, that would be that would be return to 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 form. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. To, to me, it still 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 sounds like uh, Rennes, Rennes defeat more than Angers win, and it just goes to show uh, when a club is not. Uh, I talked about we talked about this with uh, with Mo and Eric last week. Mm. When you're not really in uh, used to all this uh, uh, all this Champions League and playing two massive games a week, uh, just it just goes to show you. I mean, Angers is probably uh, to uh, to Rennes. Uh, to, to, to put something into Rennes' favour, Angers is probably the worst side you would you would like to uh, you would like to meet just after a big Champions League game against Krasnodar, <laughs> who are not who are not you know uh, bad uh, like we may have read uh, in on social media this week. I mean they're still they're still a pretty a quite decent side, quite hard to beat. So one one at home to Krasnodar is not a terrible result. It's not a great result either, but it's not a terrible result. Uh, but you know playing such a physical side like Angers, they're probably the most physical side in the league. So it's just extremely, extremely complicated. They got, um, they did, they did score 
it's like, it did score the goal, but then they're just just too leaky, too too leaky at the back, and maybe lack lacking the uh, the, the focus and lacking the concentration and all that. It's 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 just going to be extremely hard for them to uh, to play. First of all, this I mean this uh, sequence, shall we say, the sequence of fixtures. We're going to have uh, two. Uh, it's going to do two games a week for all the Europeans for three weeks, non-stop, mm. which is unheard of. I mean, ever. Because it's usually two weeks, then you have a break, or you'll probably play a league. Sorry. You'll probably play a League Cup or a Coupe de France game where you play the kids, where you rotate. You know, I mean, you know what I mean. And yeah. then you've got the internationals. And stop me if I want, but right now the, the internationals are required to play now three games and instead of two in the international breaks. That's right. I don't know if that's a new thing, but that's what's happening. That's what happened at the, at the uh, old international break. That's what's happening at the next one for most sides. I don't know if everyone is playing three games, but I mean, it's just it's just going to be so so tiring. And I don't don't want to go uh, to 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 put this completely off topic into uh, demanding players to to play too many games. But mm. it just it just feel, it's just start, it's just starting very very badly for N. Um, and uh, you just feel that they, they don't really have it in them to play too uh, high, uh, high intensity, uh, intensity uh, game every week. So you know, good luck with that. Things is they may, you know, they may get third, uh, they may get third, third spot in that group. Uh, I think they've got more chances of, of uh, getting third and getting that Europa League spot, which would not be a good, a good news for the players actually, for the players' fitness. Uh, a better chance in Marseille, in my book. Yeah, that's possible. It, it, it's definitely going to be a tough run, like you say. But you know, they've they've gotten lucky in Sevilla before, so uh, who knows? Yeah. Um, and that's uh, that. So those are the three Champions League teams playing uh, this week uh, for France. Uh, now, guys, let's finish it up, um, and I'll give you a chance here. Open up the floor. Give you a chance to share anything that we haven't talked about yet. Uh, from this weekend, uh, Adam, uh, what story have we missed that that stuck out to you? Um, I I was watching Bordeaux against Nîmes, which turned out to be a pretty terrible decision when I saw uh, <laughs> Diaz hat trick in the in the other game. But um, yeah. I think it's, it's always it's always a terrible decision to 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 watch Bordeaux. To watch Bordeaux. <laughs> yeah, no, it is. Uh, I, I've so many over the years of of, of of realizations of that very very fact. So I really shouldn't be doing it uh, again. But there was one reason I watched this game and one reason I'm bringing it up is, is Hatem Ben Arfa. Um, and I think that for a, for a, a, sort of a, a sort of subplot to Liga, and <clears throat> in theory, Hatem Ben Arfa back to back in Liga and at Bordeaux could be could be so much fun. Um, and he was he was very good in this game, um, won the penalty, and there was a few instances of that classic Ben Arfa sort of changes direction where he's sort of mm. sprinting one direction and suddenly stops on the spot and a defender sort of goes flying past him, um, which is which is great fun and great to watch. Um, so and he, he, he as 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 you sort of implied there, Philip, they're a, they're a pretty boring team to watch, and even with Gasset, who I think is a really good coach, um, they're they're very unimaginative and and very one dimensional and and. The addition of Ben Arfa in the last two games has, has it, although they did lose at, at Marseille, he was he was positive in that. I thought in that game too, it could change their fortunes and and adds a really interesting subplot to to Ligue 1. And he's 33 now, so this this this, this season or maybe the season after, if he stays 
um, could, could be sort of this is likely to be the swan song of his career and it could be a really interesting and, and, and fun one so um, maybe Bordeaux hopefully by by sort of Christmas when Ben Arthur as, as we saw at Rennes when he joined he took a while to get fully fit and, and back to back to back to sort of his anywhere near his best but by Christmas maybe Bordeaux would be worth tuning into on a Sunday afternoon because you might get that Ben Arthur sort of jinking run or 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 you know um, uh, a piece of a piece of magic from him to win the game. So um, yeah, I think keep an eye on them for for the now for now. And uh, it's great to have Ben Arthur back. And especially mm. if, he, if he keeps playing like that, they're going to be they're going to be a bit more fun to watch. Uh, what, what about the penalty, Adam? What did you think? Was it uh, was it a joke penalty? Like uh, did you think that was a joke penalty, like me, or you know were you a bit more? Oh, the penalty Bordeaux yeah. obtained. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was a penalty. Ben I, I, yeah, on Ben Arthur. Yeah, I felt it was. I, I felt. I wasn't sure at the time. I thought it was a little bit soft. But when you watch the replay, I really feel I can't remember who, which defender, which defender it was. Um, Burner maybe. When um, uh, is it Miguel? When when I just can't remember I which think, defender it was. I think it was Miguel. Yeah. Yeah, Miguel. Yeah. He he. You can see him move into Ben Arthur's path, and and there's there's a deliberate attempt to to sort of mm. obstruct him and push him away and block him and 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 use his body to 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 sort of ease him off the ball which it's a little bit soft but it's a foul and anywhere else on the pitch is a foul so it's annoying that when you to, to receive effectively receive a goal for something like that but he shouldn't be making that that sort of that sort of uh challenge in that position and yeah soft but a penalty for me mm. what i would have mentioned from that match was jimmy Briand scoring his 100th league 1 goal aged uh 35 um he's been chasing that one for quite a while i think um and he was definitely happy to get it Uh, Phil, what do you got for us? Uh, Eric mentioned Leverkusen versus Nice. So we uh, keep talking about Nice as we mentioned Nice versus Lille a bit. Uh, sure. Uh, well, uh, yeah. I saw the score flattered, the Germans, in a way. I think Leverkusen mm -hmm. are a better team than Nice. I thought Nice gave quite a good account of themselves. They scored two good goals. They scored two goals away from home in a European tie, which is not bad, which is, you know, uh, better than uh, other sides have, uh, have managed. And uh, and that and that uh, a couple of uh, Leverkusen's goals were quite lucky. So I don't know if you yeah. guys watch the game or if you and if you can uh, see what I see what I'm saying because it's still it's still the six-two defeat. It's still pretty pretty bad. But to me, um, it's uh, it's not as bad as it looks. Shall we say that's what I that's what I wanted to say because we are, as French we always complain about saying well. We get into Europe and then we get spanked by everybody, by the Germans, the, the Spaniards, the Italian, absolutely everyone. And then, of course, nobody talks about Leeds 4-1 win in Prague because That's true. Uh, because uh, the, Czech, uh, the Czech player got, uh, got uh, sent off very early in the game. So, of course, they were going to, to win 4-1. Uh, just uh, never, never happy. But uh, to put things into perspective, uh, Nice didn't play that badly. But mm. I think very few people would, would admit that. I know what you mean. I think it was Leverkusen's second goal, possibly, which was, you know, a, a very good shot, but from a kind of silly angle where, where you thought, how on earth has he scored that? And in a way, I think you know, it's that, a third. I think it's a third. Third, maybe. Scored, yeah. Yeah, the score it was 2 0, then Guiri scored at 2 1, and it stayed 2 1 for a while. And then the third was a, a sort of miscued pass, and he said, really, well, he, he managed to score from there. Yeah, and then there's. And, at 3 1. One or two deflected shots as well that go in. Yeah. It's um, a bit of a collapse as well, right? There's the last yeah. three goals come quite late, so it's, it's yeah. you know it was a competitive yeah. game for a long time, and then they collapsed at the end. Yeah, I did think as well on some of the goals, you know, the Nice kind of defenders or midfielders could could have stepped up and, and you know got in the shooter's way. Um, 
but yeah, I, I understand what you what you mean, Philippe. Mm. Um, what I'm going to share uh, from this weekend uh, was uh, well, it's the international break for the French women's team, and it has been uh, quite dramatic, especially in the build up to it, with uh, manager Corinne Diacre deciding to drop captain of the national team, Amandine Henry, apparently on sporting reasons, although, as many people pointed out, you know, she's been playing a lot more than some of the players that Diacre did call up. Um, and this is one of several uh, recent or even not so recent spats between the manager and uh, players mainly from Lyon. Obviously, the goalkeeper, Sahab Boadi from Lyon, is... is has announced that she's not playing for France anymore as long as Diacre's manager. Uh, also, at the beginning of, of Diacre's tenureship, uh, she took the armband from Wendy Renard. So there's there's quite a bit of tension between those two camps. Uh, Diacre herself was absent for the first week of the break with a positive COVID test. Um, but they set out to play on, I think it was on Friday night, against North Macedonia. And what do you know? France scored after 10 seconds, and it was a pretty good night from then on. An 11-0 win in the end. Um, so, you know, crisis who? Uh, things were looking quite good there, uh, only to be overshadowed the next day by Ajax Amsterdam. I, I, that's really bad luck, I think. You know, you win 11-0, and then someone comes along and scores more goals than you in the same week. But <laughs> um, in any case, uh, Les Bleus, with an E, uh, they play again on Tuesday evening against Austria. And uh, that's, a, that's an important match for the first place in their qualifying group uh, for Euro 2021, which is actually being played in 2022, I believe. Yeah. So um, I think that's all from us uh, for this week. Uh, as usual, you can get the latest French football news on Twitter at JFFN or on our website, Get Football. Get... Oh boy, I've, I've, I've mixed it up in my mind again. GetFootballNewsFrance.com. There we go. It's a little bit counterintuitive. Again, to get it right, GetFootballNewsFrance.com. And obviously, you can also, as we mentioned at the start of the show, uh, check out The Modern Footballer. Uh, Adam here is the editor of that. And uh, you can order that on the website. Uh, definitely recommend it as well. Thank you, Adam. Cheers, Pierre. And thanks, Phil. Thank you. And thank you also to Eric, who left us a little bit earlier in the show, and we'll be back next week. Thank you for listening.